Hi. Uh, hello. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a little while since I've been behind the mic. Um, hello, and welcome to Something Old. Something New. Something Borrowed. And Something Brewed. We didn't plan that. You just pointed at me, and I was like, do you know the name of the podcast you're on? <laughs> that is the test. We always kind of forget to tell people that they're expected to participate. Right. You can tell I've podcasted before. I can roll with it. Uh, as an improv game. <laughs> as always, I'm Andrew J. Pytel. I'm Nick Lancaster. And joining us today, we have podcaster and comedian Jason Alt. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're very we're very excited to have you. Oh, you know what? As a comedian, um, George Carlin used to say he didn't like it when people said thanks for having me because, like, oh yeah, that's like your job is to have guests on. So he just would say you're welcome, and people were like what a dick. <laughs> it's like thanks for being here, George. You're welcome. So. Oh my god. Well, I mean, the thing is, well, it's like was... we could just we Nick and I could just talk for an hour straight, and then that would be our job. But yeah. Well, that was like a thing that there was like uh, a thing where like women on dating apps, whenever some dude would compliment them, they would just be like, I know. Yeah. And like dudes just crumple. They like, they, they don't know how to respond when like they, they compliment a woman and she's just like, oh yeah, I know. Thank you. And he's just like, oh, no, you're not bitch. <laughs> like that's, ex that happens nine times out of 10. Anyway. Um, so this is a music and beer review show. <laughs> um, are we still a music review show? Yeah, I think so. You made me show. listen to some albums, so we're we're more of like a music talk show. I'll, dr I'll drop this. I'll drop this on the audience. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm kicking around. We're kicking around the idea of just being a review show and not keeping it to music. So we should um, review other review shows. Oh my Ooh, god, that would be get real meta. Let's get meta with it. So uh, as of yet, the format of the show is in the title. We're gonna talk about a new album that was just released. We're going to uh, do the old one first, right? We're gonna correct. We're that is the order. Talk about something old. We're gonna review something new. We got Jason. We're borrowing something from Jason, and then we're gonna crack beer and shoot the shit. So, why don't we just jump into it? Yeah, I know we all just got in the studio. <laughs> Has been sat twenty down. minutes or so. It's fun that you just asked yourself for permission to move on. This is <laughs> <laughs> we're very anxious. Uh, Nick, I think it was your turn to do something old. So, what did you bring today? Uh, so the older album that I'm bringing in was actually something that I chose a while ago because I wanted it to be timely because Maroon 5 did the halftime show for the Super Bowl. And uh, Maroon 5 is a band that I have strong opinions about, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. So the album I'm bringing in is... You do uh, have strong opinions about Maroon 5. It's, uh, I think, have I mentioned it on the show before? I feel like I have. I'm absolutely certain. You, you didn't have. tell me how to feel about it. You're just like, here's the album we're listening to. I was like, for real? You don't, Journalistic you don't have to like integrity. It. You absolutely don't have to like it. Like, you can have your own thoughts and opinions about it. The fourth track will shock you. <laughs> uh, so this, the album is Songs About Jane, which I will go to my grave thinking is the only good Maroon 5 album. Um, and I wanted to talk about it because Adam Levine's 
nipples were out on stage at the halftime show mm-hmm. and don't his tattoos look like a warning for why you don't spray axe body spray on bare skin <laughs> you just break out in that particular oh, <laughs> those are his particular version of hives um so he's I... like guy pierce and memento forgot where he put his jewel <laughs> <laughs> oh it's in california <laughs> Oh Wait, where am I? Uh, who are you? Every time he gets on stage, he looks around and all the, like, who are you people? Oh, uh, man. I wish he had Memento Syndrome, but only about songs about Jane, so he didn't make any more albums after that. Uh, so this album is from 2003, and I think it's it's before they were huge. I mean, this is the album that made them huge because it's got, like, three of their biggest hits on it or whatever. But what I like about this album is that it's it's, like, basically a funk album. With like a little bit of pop, whereas yeah, like everything they did after this album and everything they've done recently is very like the Adam Levine show. Like it's EDM and and like synthesizers and like very vocally pop driven. And there's like there's some guitar work on this. There's some like funky rhythms, and they don't really do that anymore. It's hard to get famous, but it's not hard to stay famous because music has basically been solved. They figured out. <laughs> Like yeah. mathematically, how to hook people? I mean, the Beatles. The Beatles literally did that, and like, I'm not shit talking the Beatles. Okay, I'm kind of shit talking the Beatles, but like, they figured out the formula, and then they did it, and they did it again. Then they did it on drugs, and then they did it again, and like, it just goes to like they just solved it the first time, and then people wrote down, oh, it goes one, five, six, four. Well, it's like, oh, we did it. I mean, that's <laughs> like classical music. That's like counterpoint shit, where just like. You, like all the moving parts of notes have to work in a certain way. Like you can't have this note moving to an octave with this note underneath it. And it's just like all that classical music basically, like you said, solved music. That's why someone like Captain Beefheart, like that Safe as Milk album, everybody loved that just because it's like, oh, everything he's doing is discordant and we've never yeah. heard this before. Mm-hmm. And as much as it's unpleasant to listen to, once you like make yourself listen to it enough to get it, it something flips, yeah, in your brain, and you like he revolutionized music by just deconstructing it. It's like what we were talking about on the before the before the cast about that scene from Spider Man where he got yeah, every yeah. answer on the test wrong. It's like you have to know every right answer to get yeah, exactly. You have to know ex- so much about how music works to make an album as uh, upsetting as safe as milk. <laughs> well, I feel like that's a little bit how Frank Zappa operated too. Like because, well, I, I know Beefheart through Zappa because they collaborated a bunch. I think Frank produced Trout Mask Replica. Like Frank was like the engineer producer on that uh, on that Beefheart album. That's that's even a better example probably than yeah Trout Mask like, Replicas. It's insane and it's upsetting to people. Like I think I listened to it for the first time and I didn't <laughs> I didn't last very long listening to it. I was like. Well, this is weird and, like, not traditional in the least bit. This is also, like, seven years ago, and mm-hmm. I didn't really have the refined musical palette that I, I don't know. I just I didn't get it. I was like, this sounds wrong. But it's like, yeah, knowing so much about what right is can only lead your mind to know what wrong is. I feel like I'm on the Joe Rogan podcast now. <laughs> so, Songs About Jane yeah. is... Was it their first album? So, uh, I, I'm gonna mess this up, but they were they were a group called, like, Brandon's Flowers or some shit like that. Like, before before this band, they were, like, another band. Brand, Brandon's Brand, Flowers? Brandon's, like, like, Brandon Flowers, like, the lead no, singer from The Killers. hold on. I'm gonna <laughs> freaking... 
Look it We're up. trying to do this one without the Wikipedia article. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I can't do it. I don't... Yeah, they had a, a, a different name before... Mm-hmm. This is this is audio. I think they were called Getty's Lees. Getty's Lees. <laughs> Ringo's Stars. There you go. Karis <laughs> Flowers. Yeah, that's what it is. They're so they were flowers. they were completely different before this album dropped. So this is like I guess their debut, but they put like an EP out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Kind of um, like Sugar Ray had like two good albums. Mm-hmm. And much. then they wrote Fly, and they're like, "Just kidding, let's just do this now." <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's throw let's throw a clip on. Yeah. Um, Let's, let's let's strap one on. Let's <laughs> let's let's tie off to some songs about Jane. Um, I'm gonna throw us into uh, Tangled. I, I don't want to play just the hits off this album because okay, um, this love and she will be loved, and I think Sunday morning are like the big hits and harder to breathe. Harder to breathe. Well, yeah, they opened up the Super Bowl halftime show with harder to breathe, and I was like, hey, I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's take a clip and then we'll uh, we'll get to the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, so here's a little bit of Tangled from Songs About Jane by Maroon Five. So I think that's pretty unconventional for what Maroon Five sounds like now. Yeah, if we look, I mean, if we look at this as Maroon Five then versus Maroon Five now, um, it's like the same reason that I think this album was cool when it came out is that it is funky. Um, there's some jazz elements to it. Yeah. It is it is unconventional pop music, um, and then everything just becomes pop music. Like like the weird, weirdly the stuff that set them apart is what goes away first. Yeah, you lose you lose like the funk the the drum groove. Like, is there a drummer in that band or is there Fruity Loops? I'm... Like, <laughs> is FL Studio the well, drummer you, for that band? You get famous by distinguishing yourself from the other bands, and then you stay famous by being as like mm-hmm. I guess samey. So you just get oh, a ton like, of radio uh, play. It's, uh, it's the Kevin Hart thing. Yeah. You know, you do something different, and then you stop, and then a bunch of people right, tell right. you how to maintain that, and then you basically just sanitize everything down to like. I guess the most lowest common denominator, like appeal, yeah, which sucks because money is kept, enticing. If they had kept going down like this route, I probably would like yeah. be mean, interested in like hearing them more and like seeing them live. But I don't know. I don't know how much of their set involves this stuff. Like if they even remember how to play this stuff anymore. Like Tangled, like I haven't heard that name in a hundred years. Like they even know these songs anymore. This is your album. This is yeah. This is this is technically my album. Hi, <laughs> someone was technically someone was in my house uh, touring it, so we kind of got a little bit distracted mm-hmm. there. I might still not even leave this in the show, to be honest. Yeah, just, I'm not uh, famous enough to have people take tours of my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, they checked out all of the uh, rooms that we have to offer the uh, the ballroom the, uh... and they were like, oh. Old Maroon 5. I like that old Maroon 5. Let me clap on one and three. Nice. Um, let's just play, like, I don't know, one more clip. Um, yeah. And then we can move on to something new. Something well, we can talk about the halftime show after this clip, because that's the thing we need to talk when about they, is the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, because like, I feel like every halftime show, people just have a lot of opinions about yeah. it. And, like, I don't know, they they played, like, actually a few songs from this album, so I wasn't that upset. Mm-hmm. But then, I don't know, they, they tried to shoehorn a SpongeBob thing in there, and then Travis Scott showed up, and Big Boy showed up, and I, I think... It really lost me in the third act, <laughs> you know? 
All right, let's. What are we gonna listen to next? I took a radical left shark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's okay. Let's play one of the big hits, which I think in 2019 kind of sounds like the incel anthem. Uh, I'm gonna call uh, "She Will Be Loved." Oh, oh boy! That song is very like. Should be called "Why Doesn't She Love Nice Guys?" No, exactly. It's exactly what it is. It's just, it's just like I don't mind standing in the corner on the pouring rain, just like. And then he's like, "She always belonged to someone else." Like some real like friend zone shit. I thought okay. I thought this song's about a prostitute. Just because they mentioned street corners, street corners. She belongs to someone else. See? See? You thought prostitutes. He thought John Cusack movies. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like that's... You know who else is on the street corner? Lloyd Dobler. (laughs) Or or Rob from (laughs) High Fidelity screaming in the rain. (laughs) Charlie, you fucking bitch! Let's work it out! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, here's a little bit of She Will Be Loved from Songs About Jane by Maroon 5. I do think it's incredible how he goes from friend zone to I have sex in like the space of seven words because <laughs> it's like it's like show um uh uh she always he was always there. to someone else but I still bang her all the time yeah 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 <laughs> she always belonged to someone else I've had you so many times like a weird humble brag yeah <laughs> It's like a reverse friend zone. It's like, I can bang the hell out of her, but like she won't go on a date with me? This is yeah. bullshit. <laughs> Why can't she we just go for her nights? <laughs> Why does it always just gotta be banging? Yeah. But I, I hate his voice. Can we just talk about how he sounds like if Steve Winwood was a jock? I just... <laughs> <laughs> Shoving Eric Clapton in lockers. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing him into traffic. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Very so, good. Well sorry. played. Sorry. Sorry for the dad joke. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a voice that I think you grow to like. And again, this is like the only album of theirs that I even give remotely a shit about. So like I can kind of get over that a little bit. Like the musicality of this song is not awful either. Like mm-hmm. the guitar riff is like, like from a musical standpoint, like it's sort of interesting like it's got an interesting melodic line to it uh it's it's just weird lyrically it's i, I even back then i think when i was listening to this song i was like that's a little like weird and possessive i think i think i'm the only person here old enough to have banged to this album <laughs> <laughs> yeah 2003 uh, wasn't banging well i mean like we i could bang to it now <laughs> like it didn't yeah. go anywhere it didn't go anywhere but st- like when it was still new when it was fresh as a compromise to i mean when you're in college like a a girl wants to put some music on you just you do whatever i didn't care for this stuff back then Mm -hmm. and uh i was just like whatever so there are speaking of talking about (laughs) talking about being in the friend zone and also (laughs) i bang a lot but it's college everybody can get laid in college i totally could have banged to this album (laughs) (laughs) Like if I, if I did, I, I could have totally been to this. We sure. like fourteen when this album came out. Like, <laughs> when this album come out, Nick? It says two thousand three. Uh, I was ten. Jesus, all right. <laughs> I was twelve, thirteen. Something uh, like that. I was like entering <laughs> sixth grade. Yeah. So now that I've dated myself, <laughs> I didn't date myself. <laughs> so the halftime show, I yes. thought. So I'm sitting there talking to one of our mutual friends, and. 
It's like the only way I'm gonna like Maroon Five doing this if they just come out and they only play songs from songs about Jane. Yeah. And but like that was sort of a joke in and of itself because nobody comes out fucking Super Bowl and doesn't push their new shit. Like that's the only reason to be there. Well, these songs are too soft too. They played four of them. They yeah. played fo- they played that song. They did. Uh, which like, is I fucking... think it was only like forty five seconds. Yeah, of yeah. It, it was. It was. It was. It like was part of a medley nine. with two other songs from that album and thirty seconds of a SpongeBob song. Yeah. <laughs> and this, okay. And and then they hit the SpongeBob thing. It all fucking sucked after that. But like, I was like, well, it, anytime like a corporation tries to like, you get you kids get memes. You get you guys wanted us to do like Sweet Victory because it's because Steven Hillenburg died. Mm-hmm. And they wanted that to be played at the halftime show. And it's just like, every time corporations try and relate to the youth, they just fall harder. Like, every single time. Like every time they try to shoehorn in anything like well, that. Well, they're like, we'll do 30 seconds of it. They're like, no, we wanted all four and a half minutes of that song. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. calm down. Well, but like... The, okay, like, those are the same kids that I are probably actually, making like <laughs> sports ball jokes. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm on I'm on SpongeBob's side here of like what they didn't do it. They didn't play any seconds of the song at all. They just played the intro to the song and then it was sicko mode. And it's like I while you're right that some people would have been pissed off if they just played like 15 seconds of the song. I personally would have like if I gotten any of the song literally all. even if adam levine had just like sung some of the words in the outro to one of the songs that would have felt more than like hey you know you want the song here's what happens right before and then nothing else <laughs> and then you don't get the song i don't know so you're saying the spongebob fans got blue balled I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like... The, the hardcore the, Super Bowl SpongeBob fan Don't fuck with the teenagers. But they run the internet right the now. The Super Bowl's not for... It's for everybody, so they're trying to be like, all right, we want everybody to watch this $250 million Doritos commercial. So how do we do it? Well, we put... For people who don't give a shit about the lowest scoring football game in history, <laughs> how do we make... <laughs> How do we make other people watch it? So they, yeah. they're like, oh, we'll do the they, half bowl. They dangle the time. The half bowl. Half bowl. <laughs> I watched the puppy bowl. I don't know. I Yeah. I was I was busy Super Bowl Sunday. All right. So Nick- Busy banging. No. <laughs> to Maroon 5. Man, Jason, yeah. Jason has a kid. You got a kid? Yeah. Kid or I kids? I got another one on the way, so I've had sex at least twice. Kid and a half. Nice. Hell yeah. It's tight. <laughs> but uh, that'd be cool. I don't really want to talk about this album anymore. Cool. Um, uh, Nick, it is customary on our show to give an arbitrary rating to the album uh, when you're done talking about it. So what do you want to give to this? I'm going to give Songs About Jane by Maroon 5 a Maroon 3.5 out of a Maroon 5. <laughs> nice. There's there's some good stuff on this album. Uh, you know... Adam Levine's voice aside, his his weird tattoos and nipples aside, uh, I think this album is a good snapshot of when this band like could have been really really great. And there's some good, there's some great guitar work and interesting songwriting. And I don't think they really do that all that much anymore. There's so. no money in making another. Like I don't think they'd be as famous. They they wouldn't be as rich for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. so ignoring adam levine like there's like some really talented people in this band that like god that's gotta suck like 
getting together and be like, yeah, we're going to make this like this weird like pop but funk but you know kind of hard hitting funky stuff and then they're all like hell yeah let's do that and then they put this album out and then Adam Levine's like but wait what if we stop doing that and then I feel like yeah they got famous and they got money so they probably were like okay Mm -hmm. and like the guitar player probably gets to let loose like two times at a show and then the rest of the time it's just like yeah he plays a guitar solo where everyone gets up to take a leak yeah yep anyway so, nice. Andrew, something new. What have you got for us? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, for something new, um, we've got a repeat band, um, which doesn't happen a lot. Um, we did this band for old a little while ago. I believe it was... Um, is Aaron Zimmerman. Aaron Zimmerman, yeah, brought on... Uh, this This band is called Girl Pool. Mm-hmm. And a while back, I think it was only our fifth episode, we talked about a 2015 album of theirs. Um, before the world, before the world was big, yeah, which was which was you know, we, you know if you want to hear what we had to say about that, <laughs> it's like episode five or something. Click the link in the description episode and go back. Six. Um, so for something new, I'd like to talk about the album "What Chaos Is Imaginary" by Girlpool. Um, I don't think Jason liked it very much, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think to contextualize any of these comments, you have to hear what's going on here first. And I don't think most people will have listened to this by now. So I think we should jump in. Um, let's listen to the hit. Let's listen to Pretty off of What Chaos is Imaginary by Girlpool. So um, the big difference in sound for Girlpool from, I mean, the 2015 Before the World Was Big to now or from any album of theirs is this is the first album since um, Cleo Tucker has transitioned, come out as trans and transitioned. Um, including uh, hormone treatment, which means that the formerly interchangeable voices of the two front people of the band are just distinctly different now. Yeah. Which is a part of life, but then they actually, I think, use that musically really, really interestingly. Yeah. Like, there, is, there are two different voices to the band now when they would play off of, like, these interchanging phrases where it didn't necessarily matter who was singing because it was like um, kind of sprightly of like it's these are a cacophony of voices and it could be the same person overdubbed multiple times or it could be both of them going back and forth Uh, and now there's absolutely like different songs there's um, there's Tucker songs and there's other band member whose name I can't remember (laughs) songs um and, and I think that was really interesting upon first listen to this album. Yeah, while we were off mic, Jason mentioned that it's like it sounds like all of the songs are like from different bands almost. Like yeah, stylistically they jump around a lot. So, so when the uh, the the transition member is singing, I sort of it reminded me of the uh, singer from the Silver Sun Pickups. Okay, who like people like I heard Lazy Eye, I didn't realize that was a dude forever. Mm-hmm. But like I like Silver Sun Pickup, so I, I, every song of this album kind of reminded me. I was like, "Oh, this sounds like Elliot Smith, and this sounds like mm-hmm. the Raw Raw Riot." So like, I I guess what I liked about this album is they made me think I was listening to a band I liked. Well, <laughs> hell yeah! So when we first um were when we first were reviewing a Girl Pool album uh, back a couple years ago now uh, or a year and a half ago now. The thing that I really praised them for uh, was 
we had reviewed in the previous weeks a lot of overproduced albums where when you have access to every sound imaginable, it's hard to sound like anything. Um, and here's Before the World Was Big with like a guitar and a drum set and a second guitar. And yeah. that was, and two voices, and that was it. And ev- everything sounded like they could have been playing it live, uh, live at a house show. Like it's something they could definitely do. It didn't feel produced at all, which sometimes isn't necessarily a good thing. But in this in this context, it was like that you have a sound, you're living in that sound, and you're telling different stories through the songs. And I thought that was really interesting. And what's happened as they've put out several more albums before this one is an opening up of that idea. And um, there's some like sort of rockin' moments on this album that are are relatively new to the sound of the band. And that, you know, puts them, maybe now they're looking for their sound again. Maybe it's an evolved thing of like, that's who we were, now who are we now? And that's why they sound like Elliot Smith. And that's why they sound like Silver Sun pickups. Um, but overall, I still think that it is uh, that they are doing themselves justice of like, here's our song. Um, the lyrics are thoughtful, if not complete poetry, they're thoughtful. And every time in a song that I heard, um, you know, if they were, for example, if they were repeating stuff, it felt very pointed of like, there's a reason for it. it it's not pop music in the, uh, um, what's the Bo Burnham bit? Repeat stuff. Repeat, repeat stuff. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, I got none of that from this. Every song, while it, it's not as uh, pointed, you know, start, middle, end as I generally enjoy, um, it is very uh, meditative, I guess. Um, I still thought that uh, they really like owned every moment of the album. I don't know. I uh, I thought it was I thought it was very artful. I didn't hate it. I didn't I didn't hate it either. I keep saying that because you thought you're like yeah maybe Jason didn't like it. And I was just I, I said before the cast I thought you were pranking me by making me listen to shoegaze. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the thing is, it's like I'm not I'm not gonna go home and listen to this, and I'm probably not gonna let's do it in my car, and I'm probably <laughs> not gonna put it on at a party. Um, but what I one of the things I really like about doing this podcast is like now I've listened to it and I, I respect the shit out of it. And it's like it's like a movie you only watch once. Yeah, the movie you're like that was a good experience, but I'm probably not watching that again. It's like the That's album had subtitles. <laughs> I could feel that. Like it yeah. took effort, and you're like, I'm not watching Roma again, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> this album was good, but also exhausting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I really liked the song Higher. I think the song Higher featured um, the the transition uh, Tucker. I'm just gonna say Tucker. I feel like it really featured Tucker's um, voice a lot, and I mm-hmm. think, yeah, it's it's kind of a a hard thing to like transition and like, I don't like not make a spectacle out of it, but also like mm-hmm. our fundamental sound has changed, yeah. and like here it is. It's mm-hmm. almost like you can't go back for some of those older songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. I thought you know the songs that are Tucker led are. The, I think maybe some of the strongest material maybe mm. because it's different but yeah like I don't know the song higher I really liked that one a lot well let's let's listen to that then let's grab a clip from that All before right. we move on here's a little clip from higher uh, 
by Girlpool from What Chaos is Imaginary. I kind of like Tucker's voice. I yeah. do too. I this kind of he kind of they remind me a little bit of Elliot Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. This with sounded that. this sounded kind of like vintage Heat Miser to me. You know the uh, the album I almost came with today was Mike City Sons because I love the shit out of that album. Who was that by? I'm sorry, uh, Heat Miser. Heat Miser. Okay. It was a. Uh, uh, I got into Heat Miser because uh, Jimmy World is a big fan of uh-huh. Heat Miser, and uh, they covered Half Right and maybe another Heat Miser song. Uh huh. But that was like Elliot Smith's band before he did like the oh, solo okay. stuff. Oh. I, shit, I didn't know that he was in a band before that. Yeah, so I, I, I think I've got some research to hey, do. Hey, <laughs> if you want another music recommendation, I would recommend Mike City Sons by Heat Miser. It's just, you know, up on YouTube, just like everything else. Uh, Absolutely. It's a real good listen all the way through. Mm-hmm. But the first song, Get Lucky, I think is probably the strongest on the album. So maybe they mm. didn't structure that 100% great, but it's just a... By Pharrell Williams and Heat Miser. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't Get Lucky... Topical! <laughs> Isn't Get Lucky just such a weird way to phrase that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, oops, I didn't think it was going to happen, but it accidentally happened. I rolled a natural 20 and she took her clothes off. <laughs> yeah. um, I rolled a 1 and she called the cops. Well, I, <laughs> I, I also, so, a thing that I've been thinking about this album is that maybe, um, and I don't know. So I, I don't want to say anything like I'm the authority on this, but like from the old work to this, I think that with Tucker having a different voice as they transition, I think that there's an awareness of voice that maybe none of us that haven't had our voice change that much like have. And then there's this ability to like a different perspective, you know you know the weight of the tool that you have well, they're, they're, when you've had a different tool in your hand before. They're really utilizing it. And yeah. it seems like they're not quite sure how to wield it yet, but they are definitely cognizant of the fact that yeah. all of a sudden there's a real differentiation mm-hmm. between the two voices that wasn't there sure. before. And they're really exploring the new space well, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly like Tucker's voice a lot. I think there's another I, song that I think it's a little more like screamier, I guess. And I think Tucker's voice does really well on that too, like I don't know what's it's in within the first four or five songs, I think. But we we do the research, folks. We really <laughs> we really research here. We used to research so hard and then we realized the parts of the show that are enjoyable were um literally when we weren't talking about music. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like we're this weird paradox um so yeah that's about all i have like I, I like i i really this is really interesting to me because i've never done a new album where um i'm checking in on a band essentially that sure. i've heard from before right. that wasn't like new oh it's the new muse album or the new arcade fire like it's it's it. This isn't some mega hit band that's putting out their new album. They're gonna tour with. These are people who are still grinding it out. They're making it happen. You know, they're playing. They're playing shows to pay the bills because right. recorded music doesn't make you rich anymore yeah. the way that it used to. And um, I think it's really interesting to see this evolution of, you know, finding a really comfortable space, or even if it's not comfortable, finding your sound, finding your sound. And then how that sound evolves as you grow as a person, I think is really, really interesting. And, and, and I think that 
Uh, if if nothing else, it seems like they're being honest to their sound. Yeah, it's like they they you know their earlier stuff like they kind of found their sound, and then now they're yeah. like rediscovering it yeah. through like this this voice transition. Because based on what they've been playing forever, um, it's like yeah, oh, they kind of sound like Elliot Smith. And I don't think that's like a, I'm going to sound like Elliot Smith to sell records. It's just this incidental, like, this is what we've made this song sound like. Sure. It falls in that direction, sure. which is completely subjective, and you could view it the other way, too. But. I wonder if the band is just, like, making stuff that's reminiscent of stuff that inspired them. That's fine, yeah. too, right? Like, yeah. Because they, like you said, the lyrics are thoughtful. They they, they don't seem mm-hmm. samey. If a, a song like sort of resembles another band's sound it doesn't resemble another band's song if that makes sense yeah 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 that does make sense i feel very similar about that where a lot of these were like this sounds like it could be a track off of an album i haven't heard by a band whose songs i know but it doesn't like it's not like oh this is this song like Like, yeah if you told me that first song we listened to was slater candy i'd be like oh cool this (laughs) that sounds kind of like carrie so yeah, there's like a difference between, I guess, wearing your inspirations like on your sleeve and then straight up just emulating them. Well, that's that's the conversation we had. With, We've had this conversation um, several times. But the most recently, and in a very big way, because they were on SNL kind of recently, is, uh, I'm trying to remember their stupid fucking name. Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet is not inspired by Led Zeppelin. They're running a Led Zeppelin emulator, and I think that's hacky. Well, and I think they're I think the Led best Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin tribute band Led ever. Zeppelin is also... <laughs> Led Zeppelin ripped off every band that ever opened for them, so... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they all suck. Back so. All right. Um, you could, if I stole Dane Cook's jokes, nobody would be mad. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Do a Dane Cook joke. I don't Move even know any so you don't scream and die. I don't even know. Why, why are you pouring a beer in your head? I'm like the alien. I want that. I want that acid blood. I don't. I don't. I don't know enough Dane Cook because like the only Dane Cook that I have memorized is the pickles at Burger King bit and that's the Burger be- King Lounge. Yeah, it's because I watched. Uh, it was a video. It was. It was an. It was a uh, uh, Evangelion, which is an anime. It was that. Um, animated to that bit off of oh, Dane Cook's boy. album, because I am a fucking. That's like that's like, a really I f- like I'm like a bad thing. nerd, y'all. I'm I like, feel like not if, a good nerd. If you ask someone to name five comedians and they can only name three, one of the three will be Dane Cook. Well, that album that he put out was so big, Vicious Circle, right? No, no, the, the one before that. It's like 2000 where he's like holding a thing. Yeah. That's yeah, a really yeah. terrible way to describe art to an audio he's medium. Like holding the like, mic and does is one of his eyes like red like he's a robot or some shit. Or... Yes. I, I don't it know. It was enough. huge. I had it. I my parent my parents bought that CD. Because it was like comedy CDs. Well, by that they bought that CD yeah. and then I remember it was on iTunes. And my friends shuffles like they would like play that, and I was like, "Why the fuck is this in your music?" And they're like, "Well, it's uh, you know, I just you got the comedy on the iTunes too." Which nowadays I'm like, "That was great. That was so ahead of its time. That's wonderful." But at the time, I was like, "Where we fuck are we listening to Dane Cook after like mustard plug finishes?" <laughs> Mr. Smiley. Because the they're both pickles. playing at the I same I always, county fair. I, I always the hated. Pickles. I always hated this like a cut that's like a third of the way through a comedy album popping up right after I hear some song on my yeah. 
<laughs> not my iPod, my Nomad Zen Extra. Ah, uh, nice. Hell yeah. I thought you were going to say Zune and you That's, could join got, Nick I and, had a and Zune. Team yeah, Zune. Dude. I had a Zune and I loved it and then I dropped it in Nalgene Cleaner and I wasn't able to save it. Oh, man. First, I put it in industrial grade desiccant. <laughs> first MP3 player? So what was your first MP3 player? Uh, it wasn't... Oh, God. It was this small little thing. I don't even... Yeah, I, I, I want to say my Zune, but I think at one point in time, like, one of my parents bought me, like, one of those, like, shitty little, like, $20 MP3 players. Yeah, it was, like, square, had and a, it had 20 songs on it. I had it. a Rio Diamond, and I always say this, waiting for someone to say they had a Rio I Diamond, had a, I had a Rio, and it didn't work. And I, I, I sent Rio it Diamond. back, they sent me another one, and that didn't work, so I just sent it back. Yeah. I had a Rio Diamond, it had seven songs. Nice. Seven songs. <laughs> And the thing is, it was by space, so I could have had more songs there, shorter songs. Seven songs. Here's pretty much all I can remember from being on so my two Rio Dream Diamond. Songs. Um, cool to be kind. Um, the I think it's Safe Ferris did a cover of that for some <laughs> chick flick in the early 2000s. That was on my Rio Diamond. Um, and that's all I remember. I had Amber by 311 and You're Pretty When I'm Drunk by the Bloodhound Gang on the same <laughs> uh, 10 yes. song playlist. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to give uh, What Cast is Imaginary by Girl Pool, like, honestly, I'm going to get like, an, like a 9 out of 10. Like, I, it's, it's not my cup of tea, but because I've like listened to what they've done and what they're doing now. I respect the shit out of it, and I think I think the art is there in a way that I try and support on this show. Where like, yeah, I'm probably not gonna, I'm not gonna play this at a party, but like, if they came to Kalamazoo, I'd go see them. Yeah, that's and, fair. and that's that's the bigger tell to me. Like, I've that's, got my- that's brave for a guy who works at the venue. <laughs> 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 if they play Bell's Beer Garden, I would go outside. <laughs> Yeah, I get All into right. two shows at Bells for free every month. So if they were one of those shows, I would, I would not think spend about money to go see that. Bells is a great venue, though. I was like, Bells got the beat puppets? The hell, man. Like, real legit acts. Do it's going to be a good garden season, I think. Yeah. yeah. We try to not mention that we work at Bells on this show. Hey, whatever, but then, man. Like, but then, like, with time, if you listen to this show, you'd be like, oh, what the... F- why don't you just tell us straight up? I made a podcast for Bells. Like, yeah, Nick's the host of the official Bells oh, podcast. Oh, the I'm, Shifty. I'm very aware. <laughs> Last episode just dropped with Larry. Yeah. Saw that this morning. Like yeah. I said, big ratings. Okay, um, 9 out of 10. Let's listen to the eponymous track, um... What chaos is imaginary, and then we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with something borrowed with Jason Alt. Hi, everyone. Thanks you, thanks you, thanks you for listening to episode thirty-two of Something Old, Something New, Something Borrowed, Something Brewed. If you like what we do, you can find us on iTunes uh, under the name Something Old, Something New, Something Borrowed, Something Brewed. We are on Facebook. Uh, also at something old, something new, something borrowed, something brewed. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at SOSNSBSB podcast. If you want to go ahead and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, that would be great. That would help us out immensely in trying to climb the charts and gain some sort of recognition or notoriety. Don't really have much else to say for this little ad break. Uh, we will see you in two weeks on uh, Monday, the something of march ides of march no that's like two days from now i don't know we have some cool guests lined up uh, a couple out of towners if you will some moderately famous people 
Uh, though we'll make an announcement about that probably in the feed soon enough. But uh, until then, uh, enjoy the rest of the episode, and I will see you in two weeks. Uh, beware the Ides of March, I guess. That's kind of ominous to go out on, huh? Welcome back, everybody. Uh, as we're moving on in the show, we are at the Something Borrowed segment. Uh, Jason, I think it was your turn for the Something Borrowed segment, <laughs> since you're our, uh, our our guest today. Wait, Jason's our guest today, right? Uh, Yep. I'm okay, actually, just checking. I'm joining as a third cast member from now on. Oh my god, we finally did it! Three white guys in a podcast. Uh, <laughs> we really finally ratio. fucking did it. We all have beards. This is great. Three or more, <laughs> three or more crows is a murder, and three or more white dudes with beards is a podcast. <laughs> and uh, we're drinking craft beer. Hell yeah! Yeah, we, we have finally the singularity. <laughs> we, as much as we fought, we ended up here where we always were going to be. That's where you end up in your 30s and you don't care. You put on those uh, New Balance white shoes and you get them all green cut in your lawn and that's your 30s. Dude, for you real though? stop giving a fuck, man. My dad's work shoes, because he had to wear all black. He was a teacher. He had to wear like dress-looking shoes, at least. He wore all black New Balance. <laughs> all black New Balance. That was his work shoes. He wore Sauconies in the, in the, in the personal time. But all black New Balance was the incredible. Um, so Jason, I, I believe you brought an album called Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. Yeah, is that man. correct? It's uh it's probably Dire Straits' best complete no skips on this album. Hell yeah. Album. There aren't too many no skips albums. Not a ton, no. So this is I actually uh I've been listening to Dire Straits for a little bit, and my favorite album of theirs is Communique, which I think came out a few years before this one angel of mercy that's a good tune yeah yeah it is yeah communique was pretty good now knob is a, a a british dude but he's mm-hmm. such an accomplished blues guitarist mm-hmm. like in his own right that's fun but like for like a pasty white english dude that's even crazier well and yeah. what, what's kind of wild is at the time he was getting uh kind of eviscerated by review mags because they were saying he was appropriating the Americana sound, and like there was this expectation post um, Beatlemania, post British invasion, that the Brits would be the innovators. And so when he took and used an American sound, he kind of got shit on for it, but like he did it really, really well. Yeah, yeah. What would what would the uh, what would the layperson know by Dire Straits just overall? Oh boy, you've heard Money for Nothing for sure. Yeah, I want my MTV like everybody. one of the most iconic guitar riffs mm-hmm. that exists, yeah, yeah. and that's on this album. Yep, that's that's With Sting, right? Sting sings the I want my MTV part. Yeah, yeah it's Sting. He might, yeah. Yeah. Um, we do do our research, but only for the album. Hey, you, you said do do only uh, for the albums that you bring, not the ones that we bring. <laughs> I want to say I want to say Walk of Life was probably a radio hit. Uh, it was, yeah. It's either that or Sultans of Swing. Sultans of Swing uh, is not on this album. You're thinking Latest Trick. Oh no, but it, not, I thought Andrew said like what was like the biggest hit that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Would know. That, that was a thing I was trying to coach. Oh, okay. Overall, Sultans of Swing would be a big one from them. But okay. like Walk of Life and Money for Nothing are also like. So far away from me, maybe. Yeah, Walk of Life was in Ice Age, right? Pretty sure that was. The yes, thing. it was. Um, <laughs> that's... I, I hate that organ part in that song, by the way. I've, but the uh, the song's fine, Ooh. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of corny. Mm-hmm. Like some, I don't know, some of Mark Knopfler's like Walk of Life can be a little corny too. Walk of Life. Yeah. So I was reading today actually that Walk of Life, uh, the producer didn't want to put it on the album because it is kind of corny. 
and the band outvoted him to keep the track and that ended up being like a number two single in the u.s which pays some fucking bills yeah but yeah. like it turns walk out people just, want the vonage theme song like walk of life just makes me think of like like it's some sort of like we are the world type song that like i can just see like the the music video being like like one of those earth music, like uh-huh. spiritualist videos, and it's just like I can see that. But if you take a cynical look at the lyrics, it, it kind of takes on a new import. It's uh, it's almost like if you view these lyrics sarcastically, <laughs> like the Ben Folds thing, where like oh, this is a fun pop song until you listen to what oh, he's it's saying. Oh, it's about an abortion, it's... Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah i've been through breakups where i felt like a brick and she was drowning slowly he's like no we murdered our child <laughs> <laughs> on christmas yeah. <laughs> christmas yeah the, the, day, the day after, after christmas, christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your parents were in ohio for some reason god <laughs> no they went down to charlotte you idiot oh it was charlotte god dang. dad went down to charlotte yeah. it was charlotte <laughs> You oh absolute God. buffoon. Yeah, you God. call yourself a Benfold. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking do. I will fight you. Don't you. Know I, you don't even know where they got the abortion. You don't even know the third Your word of the song. Your mom and dad went down to Cleveland. <laughs> <They're> not- <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um... That's like the early early lyrics. Like they're the first draft. <laughs> he's, he's just like <laughs> crumpling shit into a ball. <laughs> no, Went no, no, down no. to Chattanooga. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Her mom and dad. They're at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should we we should jump into a clip off this album um, to to get the sound in everyone's head. So I would say that this has an A side and a B side, and there's a pretty drastic cut b-sides a little bit more world musicy and the a-sides a little bit more here's our radio shit yeah mm-hmm. so maybe if we listen to a cut off both sides that's a good idea so i would say i don't know everyone's heard so far away money for nothing i let's play latest trick i would say for people that haven't heard this album all right cool so here is your latest trick from uh, Dire Straits on the album Brothers in Arms. I think it resonates with people who have done performance shit and just ended up at a bar as it's clearing out at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you do like a series of open mics and then you're just like at the last one. Just, I don't know. I'm a night person, mm-hmm. which means I hate going to sleep and I hate waking up. <laughs> I hate both of those things. And yeah. morning people like both of those. <laughs> So, like, 3 o'clock is, like, peak time for me. <laughs> like, some, there's some nights I can, I'm wired. I can't go down to, like, 5 or 6, which mm-hmm. sucks because I got a 3-year-old who loves to be up at 8. Right. Or earlier. Um, But I, I just, I don't know. I've it, There's a certain breed of person who's just, that's their time. 2 a.m., bars are closing. You're just out. Stuff's happening. But it also feels kind of sad because it feels like it's the end of everyone else's day. Mm-hmm. and you're just people watching everybody else is tired and just trudging around and you're up and you're wired and just the the kind of person that ends up performing at these venues and just doing this kind of stuff it's it's sort of there's like parallels between comedy and music almost just in that mm-hmm. you're in those same environments around the same kind of people and i just i just like nightlife and uh and this song really encapsulates it well yeah, I get that for sure. The way that it immediately starts, like from the first note, you get the feeling of that. Like, yeah, it's the late night in the bar, and maybe the lights are already on. Like, that's the thing. It's 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 already time to be going, but like, 
there's a little bit more going on. Yeah. It, it establishes so much tonally with like a 90 second musical intro mm-hmm. before the lyrics even kick in. It, they did such a good job of setting the tone for the song musically, which I, I really dig. Their, Dire Straits is pretty good about doing that like as a whole, I would say. Like on their other albums that I've listened to, like their intros are really good at setting up like what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. I feel like they they will use sometimes they'll write the lyrics around the riffs, I would say. Sure. Like they're like, what does this make you what does this evoke? So I think when you can write from either direction, you can write mm-hmm. music to fit lyrics, or you can write lyrics to fit music. When you have that flexibility, mm-hmm. I, I feel like you can end up having uh music that tonally fits the lyrics very well well and i think sometimes writing lyrics to fit music gets the short end of the stick um wait opposite oh my god (laughs) i really fucked it up you guys i think sometimes writing lyrics to fit music um gets the short end of the stick because that's really closely associated with like pop hits like you you get a really easy nice chord progression and you can pluck out a melody on the guitar or plunk it out on the piano and you're like this is how it's going to sound now put words to this um it's if you already if the music's good you can phone in the lyrics and maybe people will still listen and that's why you do a hundred a thousand of those and you make some money um but to actually do the uh the craft in that direction is totally possible. And that's the thing that I think people don't talk about that much is like, you could totally fit lyrics to a pre-existing piece of music and it can be really good. It could also not be, well, but it like depends it can if the, be. The, if the lyrics are telling a story, that's fine. But if the lyrics are shot, 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 shot. Like, yeah. if, if it's, you know, mm-hmm. a song about riding the back of a pickup truck down a, bumpy yeah. road or do a, go to a pool party or I was like specifically thinking about um oops i did it again yeah. it could have been a knee lyrics in the song and yeah. it would have been fine like that was already there it was already happening you could have put anything in there that made any string of sense instead of show people don't listen to lyrics in pop music no they just don't I mean, well, they don't retain them. They, yeah, is what well, happens? It, they don't. They're interchangeable. Yeah, because they're insipid enough that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. There's something to be said for pop music, but there's also something to be said by shitting on it. So yeah, I'm fine with both. both yeah, I don't know. I really like. There's like a certain type of pop music that I, I really say I really like shitting on pop music. I really. No, I feel like that's. I feel like that's way too easy. It is. No, it's too easy. Like. I like yeah. some pop music too, for I, sure, absolutely. But, but so much of it is like, well, three Jewish dudes working in a lab figured out. And it, I'm not just, I'm not just saying that. There's like, there are a couple of Jewish yeah. songwriters that just figured it out, and yeah. they write a lot of the stuff. They're like, well, we wrote this song for Alicia Keys, and she didn't want it, so now it's a Rihanna hit. Yeah, there's um, like he, how much does any of it matter if you could just give it to whomever? There's a guy from, I think he's from Denmark. And he wrote, um, everybody, he wrote, uh, hit me baby one more time. He hit, oops, I did it again. He wrote fucking like every Katy Perry hit. Are you talking about Dr. Luke? No, it's not Dr. Luke. And English isn't the dude's first language. It's it's a different guy. It's not Dr. Luke. Dr. (laughs) Luke did all the the Kesha stuff. 
uh, and this guy wrote um, all the hits off of that Taylor Swift album from when I was a sophomore in college that I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> um, he wrote, like, he has um, the second most number one songs um, to as a producer, and he wrote them all, but as a producer, he's got the second most number one songs to the guy who produced the Beatles. Because, like, he was like, I can do pop music, and he wrote the pop music, and he sold it to who bought it, and then they became number one artists. That's... And that's not really what we're talking about in this segment. Kind of depressing. Like, it's it's amazing, but also, like, kind of depressing that it's just... You just sell stuff to whoever wants it, and then they just become... Like, but but I mean that's great for the people who aren't willing to do any work to find the stuff they like. Yeah, and there's something to be said for giving a shit about other things to the extent that your music isn't a project for you. You're not yeah. willing to dig because you're using your mental energy elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think for the people who are willing to dig and find some stuff they like, it takes a little bit to to just get through the miasma of samey pop sounding stuff. Absolutely. But, like, it's rewarding when you find some people that are making some stuff that isn't isn't quite like that. Yeah. And as long as you're not a smug, gatekeeping dick about it, and your mm-hmm. primary motivation is turning people onto some stuff that you found because you looked for it, that can be rewarding for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like Natalie Portman in Garden State. You ever, <laughs> it's this, you probably never, it's an obscure band. You've probably never heard of them before. You know the Shins? <laughs> <laughs> Even the lead singer from the Shins sounds like he's bored by the Shins. <laughs> it's like, God, uh, I hate that band. And if you turn to me like... <laughs> Uh, 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 what? Like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I dozed off. It's like he's got the lyrics in front of him, yeah. and he can't quite keep up with it. His iPad like, keeps falling asleep with like, pretty, the lyrics. He's pretty fucking stunned. You know what's crazy? I fucking hate the shin so much, and I love the broken bells, and I can't reconcile oh. that. I love the broken bells so much. That whole album it's is Danger perfect. Mouse. It's got to be Danger Mouse. Yeah. Like, was it Danger Mouse or Dan the Automator that produced no, it's, that? No, I think it's Danger Mouse and the dude from The Shins. Like that one, the first track on that Broken Bells album is so good. Should we listen to another song off of this Dire Straits we album that should. we're ostensibly talking about? I mean, we're talking about music. It's fine. It's relevant. It, it's, it is. It's good. Um, so it's sort of like a world music you feel. There's some uh, like South American dictatory feel stuff to the second. <laughs> Like, uh, so the, the main is there the song one with the pan flute? It's got like the synth pan flute. Uh, you're thinking right across the river, yeah. That's a good one. I was, oh, I was gonna say the, the man's too strong is probably yeah, the strongest cut off the second half, but it's all, it's all really good. And it, Brothers in Arms is one of the saddest songs they've ever written, I would say. Mm hmm. All right. Well, they chose to name the album after it, which I think is pretty uh, interesting. Let's do the man's too strong on the second half. All right. Here's a little bit of the man's too strong from Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. So I can kind of hear a little bit of the uh, the Americana thing that uh, you were talking about earlier about um, like pe- like a British dude like kind of appropriating like a southern like Americana sound to it. Yeah. Well, and, and it's an interesting time for this to be happening too because like with with modern pop and specifically pop you know, the U.S. sort of as an epicenter with Hollywood took back the idea of, like, 
the music makers for everybody, not in the best way, but like that's where the hot things were coming out of. Um, but this is not that long after the British invasion and like what pop music, what popular music is, not just what we'd call pop now, but like what people are listening to was being defined by what people were doing in England and what they were bringing out overseas. Like I can totally see that as, as an interesting caricature of like, oh, well, you know, he's not even making new music. He's just doing an American thing. I It's kind of weird because this was 85. This album was mm-hmm. 85. So this was like, if you think about what was happening musically so much, this is so far removed from the British. This is like after Van Halen broke up. This is <laughs> after Genesis mm-hmm. lost Peter Gabriel. This is, you know... 85 was a pretty, I, I think New Wave was already established at this point. Sure. But 20, so it, 20 years isn't that long. Uh, oh, no. Because, I mean, it's it's 34 years since then now. So, like, it, it was close enough that I could, t- like, this was, this isn't necessary, this is not my opinion on it, but this was, like, yeah. the way it was being reviewed at the time, I could totally still people still holding that, I mean, the Brits still want to act like they're the best empire of all time, and, like... 20 years of music later, it's like, well, he's just doing that fucking American twang. I totally get where someone was coming from with it. But he was making music for this market, though. So as much Mm -hmm. as he was, like, repackaging black American soul music for the Mm -hmm. white American consumer, he was just working within the oeuvre of the music that he was inspired by, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, who's not... Who's not doing something that's a little bit derivative? Yeah, right. Um, so I, I could see at the time them being like, "Oh, why aren't the Brits innovating?" But like, this was innovation, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Nice. Because yeah. I, I think bringing something back and putting a new spin on it is is innovative. And um, he's always. I mean, if you look at the stuff he was making as recently as like maybe ten years ago, mm-hmm. it was still. Oh man, he made a song called "Sailing to Philadelphia" with oh fuck, who was it? Uh, I was listening to that this morning. Yeah, the that album. Uh, the who was the other? Oh my god, I know who you're talking about. Exactly, I can't think of it either. But like, it's talking about the Mason Dixon line. Yeah, he did a song about like the Crocs, or about Ray Kroc and the McDonald's brothers and like stuff <laughs> like that. Like, it, it's uh, he he does that kind of America kind of shit and. But people kind of like that. He just James Taylor. Oh, yeah, it was James Taylor. You're it's right. James Taylor. Yeah. Sailing to Philadelphia. It's like a song like from the perspective of Mason and Dixon, like kind of arguing, but also yeah. like talking about the future of America or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a really pretty song. That whole I actually like discovered that album like because Mark Knopfler put an album out a couple years ago that it was called Privateering. Yeah, and it was like I can't find it. I think when it was originally released, like there was some sort of conflict with the record label, so it was only available like over in Europe. Like it, they didn't have an American release until like two years after the album was out. But like I think I found a maybe not so legal way to find it. But I was like, I want to hear this album because like I gotten into Dire Straits at the time and like, mm-hmm. oh shit, Mark Knopfler has a new thing coming out, and it was it was really good. But yeah, nice. hell yeah. So like that's sort of that's sort of what he does, and as much as he wrote a bunch of poppy songs that sound like mm-hmm. they could have been Springsteen and that paid the bills. Yeah. Um, uh, he also just does a lot of that, uh, 
a lot of the stuff that you could tell he was inspired by. And he's like, well, I don't care if it was a black American. I'm a white British dude, and here we go. So <laughs> That's how we started every show. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went back in a time machine and uh, went to a high school dance. <laughs> oh, God. And the time machine, get this. It was a Tesla. That's a modern day spin. That's a Pinto. Should we should we give him one more clip to send him out with on this album? I think uh, if you're gonna go out, why not the the eponymous track of the album and the the final cut, Brothers, Brothers in Arms. Arms. All right. I was wondering if we were gonna get to talking about Money for Nothing at all, or we, like any of the know, big singles. But you know, yeah, it, but, you've heard him before. Yeah, you know, let's I, listen to I, this. I don't think you need our help. Right, digesting money for yeah. nothing. Let's listen to this. We can talk about that for a second before we make Jason give us a rating on this. Sure, thing and then sure. All right, here's Brothers in Arms from the album Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. Yeah, so, kind of a melancholy end to that album. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of in the middle, isn't it? No, brother. The song Brothers in Arms is the last. track. It's the last right? track, but like in term tonally, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, no, I meant. I guess I meant that my phone must have been on shuffle. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought Brothers in Arms was the fifth track. No. Whoops. <laughs> no, so Boy, I had done my research for a second. Did you guys know that that one about MTV was on MTV a lot? I think that's what they call it. Did the you know that when they irony. put it on MTV, they took out the F word? Yeah. The other F, the, the, the F word that actually offends people. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't. That's good. Yeah, for the time, that's very progressive. I guess. Of MTV to remove, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the FA word, not the FU. Word. Yeah, the FA word. Correct. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like I'd, I'd like to be the first one uh, here to say that Mark Knopfler, you were canceled. So, <laughs> well, he well, he was actually quoting. Oh yeah. So if you think what the song is about, is he was in like a whatever some big box store and he heard two guys that just like unpack trucks watching this australian band on a bank of tvs it was probably like a best buy or something yeah 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 and he sees this band playing and he's like that's not working that's what you do you get on mtv look at us we're breaking our back unloading these fucking trucks and that guy's up there prancing around with a tambourine it's bullshit yeah and he was just fascinated listening to these two guys mm-hmm. these two like blue collar guys just talking shit about like his yeah, job right. basically well and that's what and i actually so, like think they, it, it's possible those dudes use that word and he's like right. oh i gotta i gotta get this down i i it was it was a big moment i don't know if it would have been when the album came out as much but like you don't hear that in music these days hardly at all but like it was very clearly not his opinion there's this character being portrayed of like, uh, you know, it's this back and forth of like, like why would someone act like that? And it's like by the simple matter of you watching it, you're making that person money. Was this like back and forth? Like it's the yeah. spectacle versus the paycheck kind of thing of it. So Knopfler was a guy. I read an interview with him back in college. There was a book called Written in My Soul. I think where they interviewed a bunch of musicians and the interview segment they did with Knopfler, it focused on him saying it doesn't matter who you are as a person. When you write a song and perform a song, you can do it from any perspective. So I don't like it when people cover a song by an artist with a different gender and change the pronouns. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you're a dude, just sing private dancer and just sing it like it is. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, you are, 
you're not you you are a character and if that character is a woman just sing the song from her mm-hmm. perspective because that's the authenticity you know that's that's what the song's about yeah. and and that stuck with me so when you hear a song like this where he's I, not I, even glorifying these two blue collar dipshits homophobically slurring about uh, you know someone who's a, a video artist when they have a real job unpacking trucks it's not it's not just that he's not glorifying them he's like specifically putting them in their place in a sense of well, like you're just your people commenting on someone doing something that they're being successful with yeah it's not even he's not even We're taking them. yeah he's not even taking a side <laughs> necessarily fuckers. he's just sort of like here's and, and once you get like if you look at this they take the long view on the song and really look at it from like a bird's eye view you're like that okay so this was just an exchange he had just overhearing these guys and he's just really clinically not taking a, a side he's just presenting this neutrally he's like well here's what this segment thinks about <laughs> what we're doing which i think is it's fantastic and then the refrain of the song is i want my mtv so as much as they're like that's bullshit that's not a real job mm-hmm. it's so popular that yeah. you can make millions of dollars doing it yeah. so if it's so worthless why is there so much demand for it and i, I think that's a a, a great juxtaposition well, as much the... as the song is just sort of it's so like oh it's a radio hit so like we're sick of hearing it it's it's mm-hmm. working man or whatever at this point like it was pretty biting social commentary and it was wrapped up so poppy that people don't even realize how cynical the song it's like hey ya or something like that yeah, right? yeah. Like, it's got a They're great like, video killed the radio star so, being, like, yeah. incredibly so popular. What makes, yeah. yeah fucking i i agree with you jason i agree I, you know i'm not i'm not ash- i'm not afraid to say it <laughs> i'm not How ash- should you say something so controversial but <laughs> I'm not so brave a- i'm not ashamed <laughs> i'm not ashamed to say that i agree with you our guest is not always a fucking idiot Who knows? <laughs> but have you done dmt oh my <laughs> jamie pulled that clip jamie of pulled that clip of the guy doing dmt so um uh, we end. Uh, I've talked about an album with giving an object, like a subjective, uh, arbitrary, arbitrary number yeah. score. Nick and I have done out of ten and out of five so far, which aren't the best examples. It can be any blank out of any blank. How would you rate this album? I would give this a perfect five out of seven. There are... Is it even is it even better with rice, Jason? Oh. <laughs> Thank you for the suggestion. It's even better with rice. It's, it's a it's a seven out of ten with rice. Thank you for the suggestion. <laughs> so we're memeing. It's five out yeah, of seven. Perfect because there are no skippable tracks on this album. And as much as this may or may not be my favorite album, I don't, I don't know that it is necessarily. Who knows what their favorite album is? Nick, what's your favorite album? You don't even know. So he, I did, well, okay. He didn't snap anything out. He Nick, didn't have it in a holster. Let's let's give him four seconds. Nick, what's your favorite album? Roxy and Elsewhere by Frank Zappa and the Mothers. Oh shit! He, he's the exception though. All right. He's the I've exception. Um, because I can't. I could. But tell how you many? For a second, what my favorite album? Was. How many albums have no skippable tracks on them? I it's felt like I felt like for this me, was just so. I feel like five. That, but like, but I don't think that's for everyone. I literally think that's for me. And in Rainbows by Radiohead has no skippable albums. Which one? No skippable albums in Rainbows. In Rainbows has no skippable tracks. I don't skip a single song on that album. 
For me, you know, it's... <laughs> the face that Jason is giving me right now. Let's talk about things I've already talked about on the show. It's Is This It by The Strokes. Uh, fucking Absolution by Muse. Rockin' the Suburbs by Ben Folds. Okay, there's, there's a good amount Those, of Ben Folds that's like, that are like... But, that, oh, but that's oh, for me. I don't think that's for You don't skip videotape on In Rainbows? What, what about videotape? Videotape. Yeah. It's very skippable. What? Oh, oh no. That's tune all... into our after show. <laughs> Did or you Jason and fucking fight by videotape? The song... Oh, I love that song. But um, that's not. That's not the. T- <laughs> well, that brings us to the point of the show, which is called something. That's very. This is very. Um, very literal of me. This brings us to the point where we drink a beer. Yeah, we haven't it's been that drinking segment. the entire time. Something brewed. Um, today, well, we drink a specific beer. We drink a specific beer. We're going to talk about it briefly before we talk about um an interesting thing that jason's been doing on facebook the lord's work really he's been doing the lord's work so today um we're well we haven't ported it all yet so i feel like i cut around this which yeah i feel i feel like you should pause so we brought us to the segment something brewed where we're drinking um bamarillo Viva Which La is, Bamarillo. Yeah, Viva La Bamarillo. Um, now there's alcohol in this, and most of those guys aren't allowed to drink anymore. <laughs> they are Ryan Dunn drinking. <laughs> oh, 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 man. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is an, an Amarillo Hopped Saison, and then in a different part of the label, which is honestly probably one of my favorite labels of all time. Um, it says Ale... With pineapple added, um, the Ooh, I'm getting that artworks where we're starting with this is a dog. Um, well, I should say this is Jolly Pumpkin. Jolly Pumpkin. Jolly Pumpkin. Um, Jolly Pumpkin has the Bam series, which I believe is a is a specific dog that they're named after, who has a black spot over one eye. Bam. Um, it is Bam the dog riding on top of a very large arm. Now, is the series aged in oak or is it aged in barrels? Uh, it, it, woo, what a wonderful question. I actually think most of the, so Bam Beer is the first one and it's a, um, dark wild ale that I don't know if it has any sort of aged character to it, but then they use that name and I'm probably just the base funk for other things. So here's the, here's what they have to say about the beer before we say what we have to say about the beer. One day, Bam went down to Texas, praying for surf. He didn't set out to ride an armadillo. Who does, really? He didn't set out to have a veritable sea of chestnut trees either. But along the road to Amarillo Dry Hop Saison, things happen. Things like riding an armadillo and naming it Ben. Ben the armadillo. Ben there, done that. Hey. So that's what they had to say about this fucking beer on well, the label. When I hear Bam, like B-A-M, I think Brett uh, Myoses, the uh, sort of that that bacteria oh. that gives you that that barnyard funk. I'm you're thinking probably fucking on the. You're probably exactly right. If it's as a, to why if it's it's a saison, yeah. And this is, and I'm excited to taste it. So I'm gonna set this bottle down. Oh yeah, let me taste this for the first time. It smells. It smells Cit- funky. It smells citrusy. You know, I didn't get a ton of uh, the saison on the nose, and I think the pineapple melts it out a little bit. I think so, because saison you expect a lot of pepper. Yeah, 
black pepper, white pepper, like really, uh, really phenolic blasts. And I think pineapple is a great match for that to like bring I, well, us back down. To like I don't mu- usually like pineapple. And I, I think I it, dig this. I actually don't think it benefits from the pineapple. I think it cuts too much out of the character. I feel like you don't get the right taper when you drink a saison. You sort of get that sour up front, and then there's a really sharp mm-hmm. taper to sort of that. Okay that like really sour well, character it, to it and i think the pineapple as much as pineapple sour i think it cuts too much it, it tapers a little flatter what if it's you drink it's more drinkable but i think it's less i don't know complex what if this was called an american wild ale instead of being an amarillo dry hopped sour or amarillo dry hopped saison this just had the blanket terminology um i I think it could be a little bit more complex because I'm basically the after the like the finish is almost all pineapple. And as much as I like pineapple, I I don't think it's that interesting. Yeah. So, Nick, you said you, you don't normally like pineapple, but you're yeah. into this. Yeah, this is I don't know. I, I'm bad at talking about beer. I don't do it. Well, I, I drink beer a lot, but I don't drink it, I guess, uh, critically. He drinks but, for effect. I, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it is literally my job to talk about beer now, so I feel like a fuck right. whenever I do this. No, right. no, no. Um, for me, uh, I don't usually do sour. Like, I'm I'm a pretty simple beer drinker. Uh, I like like pretty much like IPAs, pale ales, like mm-hmm. red ales, kind of stuff like that. I don't really venture out into sours, and especially beers like this. So I think it's refreshing to find something like this that's like I guess out of my wheelhouse a little bit. Um, I like it. I don't think I could drink a pint of it. Sure. Like this taster, I think is just enough for me. Nice. Yeah, I I can get down with this, and part of that's because I purchased it. It's sort of a bang for the buck purchase for getting into that sour domain, where. Well, this is this a. Was if only, you were getting into sours, this, this was would only be five a- bucks. And a lot of things in this direction are going to be like 12. And yeah. so I, I think that Jolly Pumpkin actually has done a really good job with production on this one of cranking something out to as an entry level yeah, absolutely. sort of sour. This is, this is very accessible, and that's why I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Perfect. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, but, but it just, uh, you know what? I felt like it was a bait and switch. I, I don't not sure. like it, but it, I had an expectation, and this didn't meet it. Well, and this is honestly, until we were recording, I never noticed it said pineapple on the label. Oh, that's because yeah. it's not in the same place as the style, which there, which is weird because like you don't make a saison with pineapple. Saison is a farmhouse style ale. It's Belgian, um, but the Belgians do anything that they want. They don't have beer rules like the Germans. But, oh no! But you're not putting no fruit and beer. That's what the Germans say. Yeah, but you're not putting. But you're not putting pineapple in it without putting pineapple in the fucking name. If you're in Belgium, though, when you when you fruit a beer in Belgium, you that is something you're gonna that is talk a about the whole framboise time. Framboise lambic. Yeah, which is just uh, raspberry, and that's it. Like they literally named their sours with fruits after the fruit in them, and not the beer that was in them. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, um, and like Creek Creek is a, is is a, another lambic style. It's a Belgian uh, spontaneously fermented sour. 
it's it's named after it just means cherry. Yep. The style name means <laughs> cherry. It's because they put cherries in it, so they tell you immediately. And so this having the pineapple, you know, it is a bit of bait and switch. But this should be pineambarillo. Pineambarillo. <laughs> now there we go. Hey, Jolly Pumpkin, if you want to sponsor a podcast, <laughs> I got a podcast for you. Jolly Pumpkin's got some real great offerings. If you're not in the Michigan area, um, you should come visit. Do like a beer tour. And they make it. They do make it to some outside markets. Um, but yeah, uh, they're in Michigan Ann Arbor, made. right? Dexter, I think, was the original location. They oh, also okay. have an Ann Arbor location, a Grand Rapids location, and a, oh, okay. is it Detroit? Is that the fourth one? They've got four going on. So if you're now, in Michigan, you don't really have an excuse. I feel like those are like what tasting rooms, kind of like the wineries do. So. The thing that they do is that each place makes enough beer. So if you were um, a brewery, let's say you're Jason's Brewery in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you make a certain amount of beer, um, if you hit a certain level, you're only allowed to have two locations in the state of Michigan based on our laws. But if you're below a certain level, you can have as many locations as you want as long as each place is making X percent of the total beer being sold. Okay. Um, So Founders got into trouble because, sorry, Founders, um, Founders got into trouble because their Detroit location, um, they reported to the Michigan Liquor Control Commission that it was making a lot more beer than it was. So they said it's making X amount of beer, and it was actually making like one-third of X amount of beer. And then they were like, well, you can't, own this location and that's a whole thing going on right now but what jolly pumpkin does is each place is making enough of the beer that they're selling that they can have four locations with no issue huh if you're a brewery the size of bells you're allowed to have two locations period with no sort of qualifications to that that, that's interesting yeah i like it yeah um which is that's that's I like a lot of their offerings, and uh, if you have four different brewmasters potentially, yeah, taking some risks, uh, you get. Mm-hmm. I like the accessibility of this. So if you can find this, um, and you're not quite sure if you'd like a saison, maybe you want to just stick your toe mm-hmm. in the water. This would be a good one to try. Yeah, it's this is for this is not nearly as as farmhouse as I'd expect from a saison. It doesn't have the funk that you'd expect. It's almost even more tart, but it's completely a fruit tartness. It's not a, yeah. a lacto or bret you, tartness. When you get the yeah, that like the sarcomyoses and bretomyoses, mm-hmm. sort of, there's so much sharpness it kind of pulls saliva in your mouth almost. Yeah, and that yeah. sounds unpleasant, <laughs> yeah. but like it actually has. That's the refreshing part. You get this really sharp aftertaste, mm-hmm. and then your sort of your mouth floods, and then that's kind of a, a pleasant finish. You don't get that. This is. You know, I, I feel like some of the tartness is tapered, and instead you're getting a, a pineapple taste. Okay, which Jason's a beer guest. We've never had a beer guest. Is what I'm realizing. I'm a, I don't. I have no formal training. I just. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a drunk. I'm not a. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that you've said now up to now has been correct. So Jason, um, I'm what, actually. What do you have going on? Man? A lot of my tasting, uh, would I would say, is informed by all the wine tasting I do. Sure is. Yeah. Like, I just drink beer for effect sometimes. But I like good beer, but uh, I would say some of the descriptions are, are more wine-based. And Michigan is a, if you like Michigan's beer scene, if you're not into wine at all, just go taste wine somewhere because mm. it's cheap to do in Michigan. It's like five bucks max. 
if you yeah like, wine tastings like, are super affordable in Michigan. Like they, yeah. Michigan's winery it, exception is way better than the brewery exception, where they let you sell on site or taste on site yeah. without making you go through the whole process of putting all these taxes in and um, selling to a distributor to sell back to you, like breweries have to do. Wineries are very well taken care of in Michigan, and uh, the, it's, a, it's a great scene. Um, and it's not just Traverse City. As much as Traverse City is like you know like a, a nationally renowned wine tasting area of Michigan. Um, the west side of the state. So you're looking at like Bridgman and um, mm-hmm. oh, like uh, the 12 Corners winery, wherever that is. And like uh, the, I drive the, by it all the time driving out there. Yeah. that um, so like the west side of the state. It's um, past Pawpaw. Sure. But it's not. But then Pawpaw is a great area because Pawpaw is like the oldest winery in the state because the, the hills, it gets you know, the airflow is good enough and the temperature's right. And it's at the same latitude as like, uh, uh, like parts of France where they can grow Pinot Noir grapes and crazy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So Papa, as you go east, Papa is really good. But then like the Jackson, Michigan area is like a, another place that's got yeah. like a, a ton of good wineries. So like if you're in the Southern part of Michigan, you're not like anywhere up by, uh, Traverse city, Southern Michigan, mm-hmm. basically going west to east, has got a lot of fantastic yeah. wine tasting opportunities. And almost all of them are state wineries, which means that the grapes for the wine is grown on the premises. Mm-hmm. And a state, if, if you are in a state winery, you have to grow, I think it's like 90% or something, mm-hmm. of your grapes yourself and harvest them. And so there's a, I, I prefer estate wineries just because they, they are bound by what they can actually grow. And I think that, um, that limitation breeds a little bit of creativity versus, oh, we just ship in grapes. I have I have similar feelings to that where um, while the wine that I'm buying to drink at home might not be from estate wineries, I think there's so much to be learned from a, a place. And I love to go taste and you know, buy a bottle if I'm tasting at a winery that's growing their own grapes because it is bound to that location and how the weather was. The last year, wines are varietal like hops where the amount of sunlight they got, the uh, the uh, water that they got in that year, everything affects the taste. The, the date of the first frost. That, and, yeah. yeah. You, you're not, you cannot get away from that if you have to use your own product. And in, in a sense, um, the way that people use that creatively is so much more interesting to me than when you can get a commodity crop and do the same thing every time with it. Now, if I'm buying a bottle site unseen in the grocery store, I want homogeneity because homogeneity of ingredients gives you homogeneity of experience. If I'm mm-hmm. buying white heron or whatever, I know exactly what I'm getting. Well, that's the that the craft beer lived that moment of um, consistency wasn't happening, and that's why... At that point, you wouldn't have even called it craft beer. You would have called it microbrews. Microbrews didn't have consistency, so you wouldn't want to buy it. And then as soon as Sierra Nevada is cranking out pale ale, and pale ale tastes the same every time well, you drink like it. How good boom. like your lab can be and how good you can like quality yeah. insurance test yeah. everything. Yeah. Reduction of variables. That is the turning point for craft beer was when you could make the same beer every time because before you were just hoping and praying and had your fingers crossed. Right. So, Jason, you have been clicking on weird ads on Facebook. Why have you been, <laughs> why have you been doing that? Because uh, Facebook's ad algorithm is just so goofy, and I was always clicking on those weird 
at first it started with those t-shirts it's like my man is a badass and he was born in may and he's a little crazy sometimes but uh, the black guy means he loves me or like whatever oh my god <laughs> dude no my my mom sent me one of those is don't mess with my son who is a bartender born in february and yes, he bought me this shirt. It's sort of like yeah, yeah, yeah. A, yeah. And that, it's like three or four blanks, and it's like market this to bartenders born in February. It's just such. Yeah. My uncle shared a thing that was just like, "I'm a January guy, and I wear my heart on my sleeve." Loved by like hated by many, loved by few, like that kind of shit. And I always speak my mind. And yep. those are so douchey. It's like <laughs> I'm a redneck, and I drink beer, and I hit my friends. Like that's. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not afraid I, to get in a fight with the law, woman. And I, <laughs> I stand for the anthem. Like and I, was, yeah, yes. I stand for the anthem and I kneel for veterans. My three favorite colors are red, white, and blue. <laughs> We're getting too middle of the pack. It's gotta be too specific. It's, it's gotta very, be like, but it's like don't it's mess like, it's with ad <laughs> Don't don't mess with a husband of mine who was born in September in the third week. <laughs> Who stands for the anthem and nails for the flag. And yes, and also, he bought me this shirt using MasterCard 8453. <laughs> and Steely Dan's good, too. Yeah. <laughs> who buy, So who buys these? I don't... Uh, fucking dumb people. And well, uh, yeah. I just I click on them because like, I was like, how much does this piece of shit cost? So I clicked on it. It was like $34.99. I was like, oh. oh. And then I was like... Oh, I clicked Comes on with the, it. Uh, Donald Trump commemorative coin with it. I though. clicked on it. They're going to think I like this shit. And then I started seeing more of them. I was like, if I click on this every time, where are my ads going to go? <laughs> How like weird and esoteric can you get? So it gets to the point where like, if you clicked on this shit, they start marketing the garbage to you, which is like, here's the pads you put on the bottom of your feet that pull out the toxins and yep. they're like oh they're black because like when they get wet they turn black mm -hmm. they're like oh they're black that sucked out all my toxins and i was like oh so i clicked on that because <laughs> <laughs> a i want to see how much this shit costs and the mm -hmm. only way to see how much it costs yeah. is click on the ad and go to the page but like the more i started clicking on the shit the crazier the stuff i got there was this one thing it was like this glass and the base of the glass is like a crystal in it and you plug in the crystal and it like heats up this crystal and it like supposed to ionically charge your water or some oh, shit like that. God. And I was like, yes, how deep can it go? I'm well, getting like, like these Chinese like products that are like just garbage. And I bought a few of them just to see if they work. There's this one, it just like, it vibrates. And it's just like this metal spike and it vibrates and it's supposed to clean your teeth. And then I bought it and I was like, it needs a AAA battery and a AAA battery didn't fit in it. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> so as I started buying this shit, it's like, this guy likes this stuff. So I'm getting the dumbest, yeah, just the dumbest Chinese garbage. Well, it's like, have you ever used Wish? I, I have never used Wish, but I'm like, there's no way that shirt's $5. Some of the so, stuff on Wish is crazy. I use, I've used Wish before. I bought like a few like enamel pins for like a jean jacket. Like I bought like some... I bought like a Courage the Cowardly Dog pin or, or whatever. So like those are pretty safe bets. But like if you click on one wrong thing on Wish, Wish thinks that that's all you ever want to buy in the world. Oh, it's no. like if you accidentally clip on, click on any like... Like I accidentally clicked on a Make America Great Again hat and then all of my Wish recommendations were just like the most obscure, weird like Donald Trump merch. And the same thing goes for like butt plugs and dildos. Like if you click on any of that stuff, like if you go down a long enough wormhole, it's just like mesh bodysuits and just like crystal butt plugs. Like which is <laughs> which is convenient. Amazing. 
I mean, they're like, hey, we found your shit. Here's your shit, which is fine. I love that. But also pretending garbage is my shit is funny because I get to see how the other half lives. <laughs> and I really like to see garbage that I would never see otherwise. Like, if you're going to go outside your own filter bubble, why not see stuff you have no interest in? And it just makes you laugh. So, like, I have the best time on Facebook just seeing these dumb ads. <laughs> And, like, it's so much better than seeing shit I like, because I can find shit I like. I want to find shit that is just the worst. Weird, depraved products. Yes. (laughs) So I recommend, like, look, Facebook ads are annoying and intrusive, but if you can tailor it to just be the the stupidest crap in the world and just have a laugh, (laughs) why not? Because, like, life is too short not to laugh at other people and their credulity, where it's like, you click on this the foot pads thing and there's 3,000 comments and you look and there's only 11 comments of people being like, this product really works. Yeah. And then all the other comments are hidden because the dude's like, you realize they just turn black when you get wet, right? <laughs> so, uh, I was actually talking to uh, Trevor, a friend of the show, and he was telling me about how he ordered a product on, uh, on Amazon and it didn't work. And uh, he gave it like a one-star review and the company reached out to him and... Like, hey, we noticed that you gave us a one-star review, and they sent him, like, another version, and it also didn't work. And so they just gave him, like, a $25 Amazon gift card in, in like, exchange for him taking his one-star review down. That's amazing. Like, I, I feel like that's, like, the same companies that are just like, yeah, we know we hawk bullshit, but if you, like, if you're critical of us, like, we'll try to find a way to, like, hush you in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could get into the Amazon thing, but I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, there's probably there's a treasure trove of like probably products on Amazon that are just the dumbest it's, things that you could imagine. I mean, yeah, there's, and that's all. My in laws don't know me at all um, because I'm a mystery wrapped in an enigma. I guess <laughs> I don't know, but the the thing is, like, they don't know what to you get host me. An open mic and talk about magic for a living. Yeah. So they're like, I don't know what to get you. I'm like, cool, get me an Amazon gift card. And they're like, that's not a very good gift. I'm like, no, that's a hundred gifts a year. Yeah. So it's gotten to the point where everyone gives me Amazon gift cards. So I get like five or six Amazon gift cards. It's like 300 bucks. I'm like, 300 bucks will last me a year of impulse buying garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so like it's, I get myself presents every week. I just like, oh, here's some $5 piece of crap. And sometimes yeah, yeah. like, oh, I need a new utility knife. And sometimes like I need a, a flashlight that's a black light. <laughs> or just. And then you go on the lightning sale and it's like. You know, as a matter of fact, I really, really do need a corn holder. <laughs> I guess it's only two bucks today. Why like, not? How, how much convenience can you really get from like a modern product? Like, yeah. All right. Uh, this is the segment of the show where we would plug things. Nick, you got anything to plug? Uh, yeah, the last episode of the Shifty uh, podcast from Bell's Brewery that I did over the summer. Uh, just dropped it's a conversation that we have with larry bell himself so uh i feel like the more traffic that the shifty has uh the more possibility that there is that it continues to keep going which i would like to do because i would like to do that so uh go listen to the shifty it's on spot i think it's it's on spotify it's on itunes it's on all the podcatchers or you can look at it at like bellsbeer.com with transcriptions oh wow yeah hell yeah jason what do you have to plug for us this afternoon? You know, I, I do a lot of projects on the internet, and not all of them are super accessible, but I would say the most accessible thing I do and that your listeners are most likely to enjoy is a brand new project I've started working on called Director's Cut with a, a friend of mine named John Dunning. 
we go real deep into a, a director's uh, filmography mm-hmm. every two weeks, and uh, we just really dissect it and talk about like what their sort of stylistic elements that they bring, and you know that that whole deal. We just really just kind of try to epitomize a director, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And we get into some directors we might not normally have gone really deep on, you know, not necessarily super famous directors so uh you know people with a a really strong body of work that we enjoy and um it's been a really fun project and i've started putting more and more of my time into it and i hope the quality has increased along with the effort so you know i do some other stuff that's like very niche but if you're looking for something that you might enjoy if you enjoyed this episode i would say director's cut on the they said we said youtube network would be a place to start nice andrew what about you uh, no, I got nothing. Nothing? All I right. got nothing yeah. today. Hey, y'all, if you like me, here's what you can find from me in the future. Nothing. <laughs> Tight. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I'm Andrew J. Pytel. I'm Nick Lancaster. And I'm a guest. And our guest's name is Jason Alt. And this has been Something Old. Something New. Waiting. S- Something brewed. And something borrowed. <laughs> I did it. But in a one, two, four, three order. Uh, just like that Maroon 5 song. Just like that Maroon 5 song. And she will. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you on side B. <laughs>